0: Thank you, Karen. Well, good morning, everyone, on a beautiful uh, spring day today. It is good to be here with you all. And uh, we are continuing our series of Grace Dangerous. Uh, But before we kind of dive into the sermon, uh, I just want to say a few things. Uh, Actually, it's a little bit more than a few. So please uh, bear with me and be patient with me in this moment. You know, over the past week or so, um, there have been many who have been talking about kind of the one-year anniversary of, of COVID and the way that that has changed our country and our world. And one of the unique things, it seems to me, about being a part of a church body like this is that, um, is that we don't really kind of wait until the one year to kind of talk through it. But actually, almost in real time over this last year, week by week, we've kind of processed through just the, the struggle Of COVID season. The initial shock when we uh, all of a sudden, you know, we weren't meeting and when many of you weren't going to, most of you perhaps, not going to your jobs and all of that. And then, you know, fears and anxieties, pain and death. Um, And then just wondering, how long, oh Lord, how long will this continue? And so Together, uh, we have journeyed uh, through this, uh, sometimes at a distance, obviously, for those who, uh, I mean, all of us who were at home for a while and those who continue to be at home, but we certainly recognize uh, the struggle of this past year. I'm also reminded, though, today, as I've been reminded over the last several weeks, as each Sunday I get to see. Uh, some of you who I haven't seen before of the great joy of the hope that we have uh, that things are getting better. It's a remarkable time to be spring because it seems like it's spring in so many different Ways. And so as I was thinking about that, um, it seems like this is a good time uh, to kind of share with you all some of the things that we are looking at as we continue to move forward. And so I wanted to share just a few of those things, some decisions that were made at this past Tuesday's uh, session meeting, our Board of Elders. First of all, um, when it comes to worship, a few changes. Uh, one of those, uh, you know, from the very beginning, we've asked you kind of to come in and then to get out. Uh, we know that that hasn't always been appreciated, um, but most of you uh, have been okay with that. And we really we're really doing that in order to keep folks safe uh, but we do want you to know that this morning as you're leaving, if you would like to be in the gathering space, uh, then you are free to do that. We ask that you keep your mask on. But if you want to uh, have a conversation in the gathering space, please do so. We are asking you uh, to kind of keep the central aisle, if you will, clean or clear so that people can leave and go if they're more comfortable with that. But uh, feel free if you want to, to be in the gathering space. Still no coffee or Almost can't even say it really, and so, but one day uh, we will have donuts again, but not yet. Um, next week, for the first time since the very last Sunday of October, we will celebrate communion, uh, and so we are excited about that. Um, it will look a little bit different, um, you know. When you come in, there will be communion. That'll be kind of. Uh, I should have asked what we call this. It's self enclosed communion, whatever it might be, a little cup and bread, you've seen it before, Uh, and we'll come in, we won't ask you to come forward, but we will be able to take that together on Palm Sunday, this next Sunday, so we are very excited about that. Uh, finally, when it comes to worship, I want you to know that we will be, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we will be doing outdoor worship. That's going to start on the 23rd of May and then go through August the 1st. Uh, and so, um, you know, we will, uh, as a session, continue to assess that as the summer's going on to say, do we want to continue this past that date? But I wanted to go ahead and let you know that even now. And that'll be an 8 o'clock that will be in here, but then a 930 that will be outside. So just wanted you to be aware of that. Secondly, I want to talk a little bit about property. Uh, As most of you know, right before COVID hit, we had had uh, these grand plans that we were about to share. We were very excited about that and um, there were probably around eight or so big projects that we were talking about doing. We don't want to do that right now. We don't think this is the proper time to kind of be doing a capital campaign. We are hopeful to be able to do it before too long. Uh, but the session has decided that they want to move forward with two projects. One of those is a food pantry building, a building that is designated just for the food pantry. And so we are recommending to you all, and we'll talk about when that's going to be here in just a moment, that we build a food pantry that is really designated for the food pantry. They've done a great job of using uh, that side of the building, but it was not made for a food pantry with the ramp and all of that. Um, um, There's a lot of other things that we can do with a uh, building that's really designated for that. So we're really excited about that, but we want to share more details about that with you. We've also, um, we're going to start renovating the chapel. And what that means One of the things is is putting more windows in there so that it's a little bit lighter, which makes it a little bit less uh, cave-like, so that it will be used more. Um, um, And we'll keep the stained glass in there, please. Don't send me an email about this. The stained glass will stay. uh, But we're also going to update it in some other ways as well. And then finally, when it comes to property, we are going to recommend to the congregation, that's you all, that we sell uh, 4625 West 116th Street. And that is the house... That's that way. And is um, you have the Jeremiah house, as many of you know. You have the house next to it, uh, which we don't own. So it would be strange for us to try to sell that one. And then, but the one next to it is the house that we are going to recommend that we sell. Uh, and we'll talk more about what we would do with the proceeds from that. Uh, there's going to be an informational meeting. Because we know this is a lot of information. And we want you to know the why and the what and all those sorts of things. And that's going to be on April the 15th. That's a Thursday at 7 o'clock. Uh, We will also live stream that for those of you who would like to watch that. Uh, And so I encourage you to go ahead now, put it on your calendar so that we can talk through that. We'll talk through some other things as well. Uh, Finally, uh, you may have seen the midweek video. Uh, We have decided uh, that for sure we are going to do our sabbatical this summer. Uh, although we are going, it's going to be a little different. We're going to do three months of it now and then a month next summer uh, because uh, Europe is, is basically shut down. And so, um, and just to let you all know that, it'll uh, be uh, from the end of May to the end of August, basically Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh, if you have any other questions about that, we'll be happy to share that. Uh, but there's some great things planned for here uh, while, uh, while I am away. And so uh, I'm excited for you all as well for what this summer will hold all right, I think that is enough. That's what we call the pre-sermon, people, and, uh, and the actual sermon will be about half as long. So, I'm just kidding, you wish. All right, so, we are, and again, if you have any questions, talk to me or talk to an elder. We'd be happy to discuss any of these details with you. I, I want you to know that we really are uh, excited to continue to lean forward. Uh, We know that it has been a challenging time, um, but we also know that our work here is not done, and so we must continue to move forward. Amen? All right, so now we're going to take a look today at Mark chapter 14, uh, and I butchered the verses today, so let's get this right. 26 through 31, and then 66 through 72, and this is occurring uh, right after the Last Supper. And so there is Jesus, and here is what is happening. When they, who is Jesus, and all of the disciples had sung all but one, had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee." Peter said to him, even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter said vehemently, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. And Skipping over to verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed. And the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we pray for your spirit to be upon this place. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen and amen. There's just something about Peter, isn't there? There's something about this guy that is just really captivating. Now, to be sure, there are some who would be somewhat kind of repulsed by someone like Peter. But, but most of us, there's something that we like about this kind of big, bombastic, charismatic, uh, proud man. He speaks so boldly, Peter does, throughout all of the Gospels. He's, he's never afraid of a fight. He's never afraid to take a risk right oftentimes uh, uh, we live vicariously through people like Peter. We say, Ah, oh, we wish that we could you know do the same sorts of things, but it, but if nothing else, we can at least be close to him and watch and see the things that he does right one of the greatest examples of course of this is when Peter walks on water and you know you remember that scene Jesus is walking in and Peter of course only Peter has the courage to say hey let me come walk out to you and and surely you know the thing that we oftentimes talk about is how Peter stopped looking at Jesus started not having faith and began to fall into the water but at the end of the day only one of the disciples only one of all of us can say he walked on water and that is Peter, right? That's just the kind of thing that Peter does, and it draws us to people like him. And this week, of course, again, we see Peter, and he is bold, and he is decisive, and he, uh, he's not going to take what Jesus is saying to him. Jesus says that all of you are going to be deserters, I love Peter here because this time he's not just kind of talking about himself. He's kind of throwing their other disciples under the bus. Did you notice that? He kind of comes out and he says, though all others will desert you, I would never desert you. Jesus at this point, you know, just kind of shakes his head. I'm sure he's not surprised. Nobody's surprised by what Peter says. And So Jesus says to him, and I love kind of the poetic way that the King James puts it, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me thrice. And here, of course, Peter again is saying, no way. And so Peter says, no, 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 I would die before I would ever deny you. And I like the way that Mark, he's really a great storyteller. He, he then says, oh yes, and, and all the other disciples said the same. Right? You, you get this sense, don't you? Even then, that it's not like you know, they said it with all that much excitement, but mostly they just were on the side of Peter. So they were just like, yeah, ditto, sure, what Peter said. And then they all just kind of hid behind him, right? This is kind of what happened. This is the kind of person that Peter was. But of course, Peter did not do what he said that he would. And again, it's it's kind of interesting to to notice here, as scholars do, how Mark describes these scenes. Uh, uh, Mark says, gives a scene about Jesus or and his prophecy about how, you know, Peter is going to deny him three times. But then he doesn't actually deny him until later on, and couched in between that is the trial of Jesus. And so what scholars say is that what we see going on here are two different trials, the trials of Jesus and the trial of Peter. And not surprisingly to us, Peter fails this trial miserably. Because sure enough, all it takes is some little kid to come up to him and to question him. And all of a sudden, Peter folds. This incredibly charismatic and definitive and bold and risk-taking Peter. In just a moment, again and again and again, all of a sudden he acts like he has no idea who Jesus is. It's this really kind of sad scene as you look Peter. But of course, much as we said last week when it came to the rich man, what makes this particular scene so sad is that it is a scene that we see again and again and again in the church. Charismatic leaders who may be bold and definitive and exciting and smart on the one hand, and yet in one form or fashion are denying Jesus by the way in which they live. This is the first thing I thought about when I looked at this text. And I, I don't want to talk about it too long. I had a, had a lot of this in the sermon. I decided to cut back most of it. But I just want us to remember this. All of us have a propensity to want to idolize people like Peter. Peter religious leaders, preachers, or teachers who are really good at what they do. I talked about this several weeks ago. And yet with their lives are repeatedly denying Jesus. And I and I bring this up because, again, over the last few months we've seen this several more times with these kind of charismatic figures who are following Jesus with their mouths and yet clearly are not with their lives. And it can be devastating to people and to church communities. We all have a propensity to idolize people as Especially religious leaders. And what I want you to know is that all religious leaders will at times disappoint you, that we all, in one way or another, are sin, are, are full of sin and are broken and deny Jesus. And we have to be actively making sure we do not make heroes of religious leaders. We cannot. We cannot idolize others like Peter because they will always, in one way or another, they will inevitably disappoint us. And we see it in subtle ways. So I just want to say this. I hear it when I hear people talk about their pastors uh, or these preachers. And they do it in these incredibly glowing ways as if the, when you meet this person, they must have a halo around them. Or, and I've said this before, when, when, when I heard somebody talk about another preacher and about how that preacher had never preached a bad sermon, <laughs> okay, that means you're probably putting this person far too high. And so I just want us to remember, I want us to see Peter, when we see Peter, I want us just to remember that we want to kind of idolize and idealize these people, right, but the greatest biblical teacher. Remember what I said? Who should be the greatest Bible teachers and preachers in your life? Those whom you know everything about. So let's keep that in mind again as we continue to move forward to always remember that. So here's Peter. Now here's the thing. Let's be very clear. It isn't just religious leaders who are prone to deny Jesus, who are prone to sin or brokenness. All of us in one way or another, are always tempted to deny Jesus. And it may not be as explicit as it was with Peter. It may not be saying, well, I don't know Jesus. But all of us, by the way in which we live from time to time, deny him. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I realized that in many ways, what we've been talking about over the last two and a half months or so, as we've been going through a Grace Dangerous, as we've been going through the first two Gospels, is that again and again what we are talking about are the ways in which we are tempted to deny Jesus. Last week we talked about money, about the rich ruler. and Remember, whenever it is that you cling to money rather than clinging to God, it means that you are denying Jesus. Or when we talked about uh, the paralyzed man, we talked about spiritual paralysis. And spiritual paralysis, of course, are those times when, when, when perhaps you can't believe that God would really forgive you. And so you really can't move forward. You're kind of stuck, right? Or emotional paralysis when you cling to fear and anxiety rather than clinging to God. And whenever that happens, you are denying in one way who Jesus is. Or when we talked about the talents, and we said, "Look, God has given you a talent, and, and how, if you all feel like you only have one talent, you just want to kind of hide it, you don't want to do anything with it. when you are doing that, you are denying what God has given to you. You are denying Jesus, in a sense, Or in those times when we don't want to pick up our cross and carry and carry it, when we prefer to take a path that is smoother and easier, in those moments, we are denying Jesus. Or as I said from the very first Sunday, when we started talking about this series, I'm sure you all remember that, right? I love nervous laughter. Candy, you remember, right? Just say yes. Good. Thank you, Candy. So we talked about the fact that more often than not, we want to try to earn our forgiveness. We want to earn the love of God. We want to earn our salvation. But when we do that, we are denying what Jesus has done in his death. And as we'll see in two weeks, of course, in his resurrection, We are always prone, like Peter, though in different ways usually, to try and deny Jesus in our lives. And as I thought about that, I realized something. Something struck me. I don't know how often I've thought about this. How strange it is that though we spend, especially in the last couple of months, so much time talking about our own weaknesses and struggles and the ways in which we oftentimes may fall short, How strange it is in a time when we talk about how we need to be more generous, in a time when we talk about how we need to love not just our friends, but our enemies. How strange it is that you keep coming back. Have you ever thought about how how we don't pay you to be here? And yet, week after week, and month after month, and year after year, you willingly come in here. Yes, to hear about grace and love, to be sure. But also, especially as we've seen in the last couple of months, to hear about the ways in which our priorities may be out of whack to hear about the ways when we should give more of our money away, to hear about the ways in, in, in which we should perhaps slow down in particular things that we're doing, even though our society tells us to keep speeding up, that, that we come here and oftentimes we'll say, look, we are broken. We are a sinful people. We need to confess. I mean, it is weird that you guys keep coming back. You are a strange people. Because you easily, you may not know this, you could have stayed home. You could have not turned on the TV. You could have still been in your jammies. I know some of you are. Right? You could have just been there with your cup of coffee, you could have been doing whatever else you want, and yet you willingly decided to come in here where you knew there was some danger that we were going to talk about something that needs to change in your life, some place where we might need to do something differently. That is really odd. In fact, it's so odd that as I continue to think about it, I realize that in many ways it is the kind of odd thing that, of course, sons and daughters of the Apostle Peter would absolutely do. I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark has a very strange relationship with the Apostle Peter. Proportionally, there is no other gospel that talks about Peter as much as Mark does. Uh, If you go back, and many of you have read it, I know, uh, over the last few weeks, when you go back and look at it, in every scene, either individually or collectively, Peter is there. There are things, as we see in today's story, that we only know that nobody else was there but Peter. But we know that he was there warming himself We know that he denied uh, Jesus three different times. We know that it was a girl and then it was bystanders. The only way, are you hearing what I'm saying? The only way that we could know this is if Peter told somebody. In fact, it's the reason why many think that the gospel of Mark is primarily, if not solely, based on the witness or the sermons Or the testimonies of Peter himself, which means that Peter, when he was going around and preaching, or when he was talking to Mark, or when he was describing what he was doing, or when he was teaching, whatever he was doing, he was sharing not just those few moments when he would be flattered, when he would look good, but he was also sharing those many, many moments when he had completely failed and failed miserably. What Peter, when he understood that he was the rock, what he understood was that that meant that the reason why he was the rock was not because he was the smartest guy in the room. It was not because he was just bombastic. It was not because he was the risk taker. The reason why he could be the rock was because he was not afraid to admit when he was sinful, to admit when he was broken, to admit when he had denied Jesus Christ. And because of that, Jesus could build his church on who Peter was. It's easy for us to think that Peter is the rock just because he was this loud, bombastic guy. The truth is, Peter is the rock because he was not afraid to admit his own frailty, to admit his own sin, to admit his need for God. So that when we gather together each and every week and willingly listening to the ways in which we are falling short, what we are revealing is the fact that we are the sons and daughters of Now, please hear me. That doesn't mean that we do this so that we can be a morose people, so that we can flog ourselves with our fallenness. The reason why we do this is because we know that growth only occurs when you are able to admit your own struggles and weaknesses and sin. Think about Peter in the book of Acts. We'll read this in just a couple more books, actually, Luke, John, then Acts. And we see Acts, he's preaching, he's doing remarkable things. In fact, Peter eventually will be killed because of his faith in Jesus. But all of that happens only after he has more than willingly confessed to those who will hear the reality of where he had fallen short. And if we want to be a people who keep growing, the place to begin is not by hiding from our struggles or our weaknesses. It is from fully acknowledging them. That is the foundation of what leads to growth. But here's the second thing that that does. Which is that while surely... We are witnesses by the ways in which we do justice and love mercy and walk humbly and love our enemies and love our neighbors. The truth is there are few things as attractive as a person or a community who is willing to acknowledge how we have fallen short. I found it um, eerily providential that when I was working on this particular part of the sermon that I received a phone call. It was on Thursday, early afternoon. I don't usually pick up. It was from a 317, if I don't know who it is. But you know how it is. Maybe you remember when you were doing homework or working on things you don't want to work on. You're looking for an excuse to do something else. So I'm like, hey, maybe this person will talk to me. So I picked it up, hopeful that it was someone selling me something. And it wasn't. Uh, It was someone from the Zionsville post office. And so uh, you thought I was going to say Zionsville Police Department, didn't you? Yes. Uh, so it was the Zionsville Post Office, and I thought, oh, okay, now here's the thing. Earlier in the week, I'd gone with my second born um, because we had received a slip of paper uh, a few weeks ago, actually, uh, in the post, uh, in our mailbox that said they had a package for us. Oh, it was kind of strange, but we never, they didn't come back, so I decided, well, let's go and just see what it is. This gentleman comes out, he sees it, he says, okay, I'll go see. So he went off, he was gone for maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15, he finally came back out and he said, I don't know, I can't find it. He said, okay. So he said, hey, can I have your name and your number? And I'm like, okay, sure. I, honestly, I didn't expect to hear anything back. So we gave him my name and my number. And sure enough, Thursday afternoon, he calls me back. He says, uh, you know, this is whatever his name was. I can't remember it now. I wish I could. And he said, you know, um, I got some bad news. <sighs> yeah, he's like, I-, I couldn't find it. Now, the package wasn't for me, so it was really okay. But I said, okay. I was, all right, um, and so he said, you know what, I've, I've tried everything. I've tried every, you know, every, every tool in my belt, and I, we simply can't find it. But then he went on. And what's interesting, though, is that as he went on, what he didn't say was this. He didn't say, well, you know, mail, mail carriers these days, you just never know about them. He didn't say, as he easily could have, you know, you probably shouldn't have waited so long to come in here and see what was going on. He didn't say any of that. You know what he did say? He said, we have sinned. Okay, he didn't say that, but <laughs> he basically said that. Here is what he said, and I actually typed it in, because like I said, I was working on side. I typed it because I didn't want to forget it. He, said, he said, basically, this is a call to admit our abject failure. You guys are going to think I'm being melodramatic here. And I might have been a little tired on Thursday. But I honestly had a tear that began to develop in my right eye. Because I could not believe how completely honest he was. He simply said this. This is a phone call to admit our abject failure. That was it. No excuses. No anything. Just we have failed. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to ask him if he had dinner plans. I'm not kidding. I wanted to get together with him because I wanted to, I still want to actually, I want to know more about this person. Because I want to know who is the guy who is there at the post office and who just says, We are abject failures on this one. Who does that? It was a complete surprise. It was incredibly refreshing. There was something that made me want to know more about. Who is the kind of person, especially in our day and age, when we just do not want to admit any kind of sin or brokenness. I mean, we will go to the mat to act like we never get anything wrong. Who is the guy, what makes him able to just simply sit there to me on the phone and say, we have abjectly failed you. And see, it's that kind of thing. I'm telling you, and maybe I'm the only one who believes this, but it's that kind of thing that electrifies and that makes people want to know what is different about you. What is it that allows you to just admit that? See, a church that cultivates a people who are able to be honest, not to celebrate it as if this is the greatest thing in the world that we fall short. I see that sometimes. That's not what I'm talking about. But to be able to readily admit that we do not have it all figured out, that we do sin, that we do struggle, that is a church that falls very much on the foundation of Peter the Rock. And it is the kind of church that draws people to its incredible Honesty and vulnerability. But there is only one reason why we can do that. Mark 14 is the very last time that we see or hear from Peter. Now, in John, there's a whole story. You may remember it, right? That Peter is there, and Jesus, uh, Jesus and Peter are there. They're having this uh, breakfast together where Jesus says to him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Pretty clearly alluding to the three times that Peter denied Jesus. It's this kind of awkward conversation of reconciliation. But not in Mark. There's none of that story in Mark. We don't see or hear from Mark or from Peter again. But there is one thing. And it comes to us in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. Now, here's what's happening. It's Easter Sunday. The women have gone to the tomb, but Jesus is gone stone's been rolled away. There's a young man there. Uh, um, he's glowing. Something is different about this man, clearly. And they say to him, no, Jesus, or he says to them, Jesus is gone. He's been raised. And then he says this. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just As he told you. Did you see it? So I want you to picture this just real quickly. Picture this with me. Picture that you're in a room... And all the disciples are there. It's, it's Sunday. You don't yet know that Jesus has been raised from the dead. They're all kind of despondent. They don't know what else to do so they just gather together because what else are you going to do? They know they've all deserted him. They think Jesus is dead. They're all lost. Now Peter's there as well. And Peter, you know, he hasn't told anybody the fact that he kind of denied him three times just as Jesus said. He doesn't, you know, there's no reason to go into that. Everybody's already feeling pretty horrible about everything. When all of a sudden, in this very melancholy room, here are here all these women bounding in with great excitement. In fact, they can hardly even understand what they're saying because they just keep talking. But what eventually they begin to understand is what they're saying is you got to understand this. There was this guy. We were in. There he was. We were at the grave. There it was. And there was this guy. And he was bright. There was something different. We didn't see wings. We didn't see a halo. But there's a chance he was an angel. Something was weird about this guy. But here's the thing. There was no Jesus there. In fact, listen to this. Not only was there no Jesus there, he said to us, this guy, that he's been raised from the dead. Can you believe Leave it. That's crazy. But now here's the thing. We can't just sit here. Here's the thing. He said, he said, tell the disciples to go, to go to Galilee, to meet Jesus there, the resurrected saviors in Galilee. And so what do you do if you're a disciple, right? You get up, you're strapping on your sandals, you know, you're, you're getting your cloak, whatever it is the disciples are doing. And they're excited. They're like, wow, what's going on? And they may not be convinced yet, but they are going to go to Galilee because you're going to see whether or not this is true, what these women have been told by this kind of strange guy. And so they're all very, very excited, and if you're one of the women there, as all everybody else is kind of in a tizzy, you look over there and you see Peter. He's over there in the corner, and he's not doing a thing. And you think, well, what's going on? Why is what's wrong with Peter? That's not like Peter. Peter would normally be bounding out. He'd already be halfway to Galilee. And so you go over to Peter and you just say, Peter, what's going on, man? What the, did you hear what we said? He's not there. He's on his way to Galilee. Get up. Let's go. Peter still doesn't do much. He's not moving. And and he said, you know what? Actually, what he said was this. He said, tell the disciples, and I don't understand why, but he called you out specifically and said, tell Peter to go and find me in Galilee.'" Can you imagine? Picture yourself. There you are. You are Peter. You know that you've denied your uh, Jesus three times. You know that when he says, tell the disciples to go, that surely he must not mean you. And in the midst of all of that, what you hear is this, that Jesus called your name specifically. The one who thought beyond question Jesus will never forgive me for this. In his time of need, I denied him. And Peter gets to hear that Jesus called him specifically Peter I want you to go to Galilee that is a remarkable scene And what we need to understand is that the reason why we can be so bold with our own brokenness and sin and pain is because we know this, that Jesus is constantly calling us by name. And he is saying, come on. It's forgiven. Let's go. There's work to be done. And you're thinking, no, surely surely, it can't be me. But he's saying, yes, David, get up. Let's go to Galilee. Laura, come on. I don't know anything about anything going on in Laura, but she sinned at some point. Laura, come on. Clay, let's go. Jerry, come on. Can you imagine how Peter felt in that moment? And that's how I want you to feel. That when you are stuck on the ways that you have fallen short, I want you to know that Jesus is saying your name. And because of that, because of that, we are able to get up from whatever way we have denied the Lord. And we are able to keep marching, knowing that he has gone before us. Our world is in desperate need of knowing that we can be honest and stop hiding from our struggles and that we can be forgiven for things that we have done. Listen and know that Jesus is calling you by Let's pray. Jesus, it is easy to forget. To forget, Lord, that we don't need to try to hide our struggles from you. It is easy for us to forget, Lord, that you died for us. For those times when we would deny. And so I pray that you would help us as a community to know of your love. To hear you call our name. And may the sound of our name allow us to feel your love and your embrace. Amen.